The reason for me to roast coffee has been because I couldn't buy any roast that suited my taste. I started around 2013. It wasn't because there were no specialty coffee roasteries. Here were several around Copenhagen. But a roastery like the Coffee Collective was too light for me, too thin and too ascetic for my taste. And others were too dark, even though they were only medium roast and not into second crack. For a long time I just thought it was a matter of roast degree, that the roast roastery just had a different preference than me. But I discovered that it's also a question of type of roaster and batch sizes. I always roasted small batches on small coffee roasters. When things get bigger, it seems like it's easier to get into trouble. One of the roasteries I have found too dark is Contra Coffee. But last year, something changed. You're listening to the podcast Coffee Roasting Navigated. My name is Therese Brunstedt. This is a podcast about all the differences in coffee roasting. This time we visit Contra Coffee here in Copenhagen. They started in 2005 and is quite big for a micro-roastery. They roast 80 tons a year. I have followed them all my years in exploring specialty coffee, but always found their style too dark for me. Last winter I got their Christmas calendar. I was surprised. This was very close to my roast degree. What happened? I often talk green beans with Contra's head roaster, Ida Lindhardt Kofod. My name is Ida Lindhardt Kofod. I'm uh, the head roaster at uh, Contra Coffee here in Denmark. I've been in coffee for like, I think it's 10 years now, and I've been in Contra for almost six years. So I'm actually pretty old in this, <laughs> like, when you think about it. And for how long have you been roasting coffee? I've been roasting for, I guess it's four and a half year, almost five now. Actually, I have already mentioned her in this podcast, in episode five. She once recommended me a Burundi bean, the first Burundi I'd ever tasted. It wasn't an easy start. I was thinking about when coming here for how long we have been talking and I track it back to something like 2015. I guess uh, you're right. Yeah. And I think we first met in the taste panel, sensory panel at Coffee Mind. Yeah. Uh, and then we have been um, trading beans. I buy for the bean club and then you, then we share freight and sometimes you recommend a bean. <laughs> and especially I rem remember you recommended me a Burundi bean once. Yeah that you were totally in love with, and I tried it, and I thought it was very boring. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then I thought maybe because you and I maybe noticed different things or something, but uh, since I had it, then I tried and tried and tried and roasted it lighter and lighter, and suddenly, boom, it was fantastic, and ever since I've been a Burundi fan. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, thank you for that recommendation. No problem. <laughs> well, sometimes the Africans can be pretty tricky. 
Actually, I remember especially uh, this this Burundi bean. Uh, I I bought it in uh, in on Oslo at Nordic Approach, and that was my first trip up there. And and I tried it at uh, at their water, roasted by them, and I was like, whoa, this is amazing. And yeah. then I came back home, roasted it, and it was flat and boring, <laughs> the same as you. But that was a mix of 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 the roast and of course the water. And the water. and I wasn't aware of that, but yeah. Suddenly, so, you. I, I learned these uh, small parts, and uh, yeah, I made it bloom the same way that that you did. Yeah. And you are quite in 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 the roasteries I talked to. You are quite a big roastery. Yeah. Um, how many tons of coffee do you roast a year? At our roastery here, we roast around eighty tons mm-hmm. a year, and we're aiming for. A little more than a hundred. Um, that's a goal. After we just changed our roaster, you got a bigger roaster. We now. got a pretty big one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of the reason why I find it interesting to interview today. Yeah. Uh, two reasons. One is the whole change from an old uh, gas-driven, or they're both gas-driven, yeah. but an old pro-bed roaster, 30 kilos. And yeah. how old was it? Like 40 years or something? It was 65 years <laughs> actually. Yeah. So <laughs> an old lady. An old lady. <laughs> yeah. And then you changed to a modern, much bigger roaster. Yeah, we changed into a 70 kilo Loring, uh, brand new, new software, new everything, and it's like just this big rocket in the roastery now. <laughs> and that's also why we're standing more quiet surroundings because yeah. uh, it's very noisy. And the other reason why I thought it would make a, a good podcast episode is because I've been following Contra for many years, and I've found that you're a bit darker in roast, but I also thought it's a good idea because most Danish people understand this kind of coffee, where yeah. mine coffee is kind of thin and stranger. And then another famous roastery in Denmark, Coffee Collective, they are too thin for my taste. So we are very, we are all different places. Yeah, we are. Uh, and then this, um, your Christmas calendar this year was Costa Rica, different processes. Yeah. And suddenly I thought, Whoa, this is uh, my roast degree. So what <laughs> happened? <laughs> so, and then you said, well, that must be our new roaster also. Uh, so that is also what we are going to talk about today, the different roast degrees. Yeah. And in your shop, you have uh, on the shelf the darkest and the top, and then they get lighter and lighter. Yeah. Um, the dark side. And yeah. the light. <laughs> <laughs> to accommodate different. Uh, yeah. So because you're such a big roastery, you can you can do this also. Yeah. Yeah, and also I I think it's important for 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 both for us in the roastery and also the customers to know that coffee roasting affects the the taste very much and and you can't just yeah buy a bean expect it to be the same every time so uh, so the the thing that we did in the shop was to to change the the profiles of the same coffee actually so we have on the shelves we have a Light roasted Kenya, you can use it for filter. We also have a dark roasted Kenya, then you could use for espresso, or you can use it as a darker Kenya filter coffee. Um, I think it shows the handcraft of coffee, and also just that, yeah, what what I prefer is not necessarily the same that, that you prefer, and yeah. I think that's important for for us to to meet the customers where they are. So, Contra do different roast degrees. Let's get into tasting what Ida is talking about. Ida had set up a cupping for me, both with the different roast degrees they do, but also to show the variety in type of beans. 
We start out with a Brazil, one bean in two different roasts, a lighter one for filter, and a darker cold espresso. And which on the lighter one of those two Brazils? That this, one. Yeah, the first one we'll taste is the lighter roast. The second one is the espresso roast. But it's still... I would say it's a light espresso, but that's of course me. I'm pretty dark. <laughs> this tastes a bit natural to me. Yeah, that's a, that's a full bloom. It is a pulp natural, but okay. the fact that the, the, the beans have stayed longer on the trees and has... That give those heavy notes. Yeah, it does. And I think it's, it's a little bit funky and not what you ex- expect from a Brazil, but it's also fun to challenge people. Yeah. Most definitely, very I, much more fruity than normal yeah, uh, Brazils, and very smooth. And uh, mm-hmm. I like the, it's not it's not that heavy and and chocolatey, hazelnutty as as a Brazil normally is. But 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 I really like the the fact that that you have some fruitiness in there as well. Later, I tried this lighter roast at home. Ida gave me a bag of this Daterra full bloom, and I brewed it in a V60 filter. It was just fine to my preferred roast degree, very well roasted, and to me a more interesting bean than most Brazils. Then we went on to taste a darker roast of the same bean, which Ida still calls a light espresso. I I can hardly taste that it's the same coffee. No, that's the espresso you, know, you had, yeah. And, and and some of the fruitiness from before is gone, and it's way more like, um, yeah, now not the chocolate flavors has uh, come along. And, um, and then, of course, the roastiness when it, if from a darker roast. Yeah. But surely if you brew an espresso, then you, you can get some nice flavors again that, that is kind of covered up here by the, the roastiness. Yeah. Of the, but I like I like the differences and the fact that you can see okay so the same coffee can really taste different and and when we have uh, cuppings in our stores uh, with with customers private customers they're always amazed by the fact that wow is that really the same one yes. and and um, if people don't like the filter coffee which we often hear actually because yeah, people are not so that strange. yeah and it, the, it's uh, the definition of coffee is uh, something it needs else. to you need to taste it right and you have a slap in the face yeah. so you can wake up and <laughs> you don't you get you get that more out of this espresso than than the the filter coffee so i like the fact that we can say hey yeah. if you like the it's sweetie the the full body cup then then go for the Brazil espresso and brew it on your Maca master back home and it will work out perfectly. I also got this darker roast home with me. I brewed it on my espresso machine. Yep, much better than here at the cupping table. This Brazil is not far from what I normally drink, but Contra covers a wide range of coffees. Ida thought it would be fun to show me something very different. Here comes an Indonesian coffee from a project to benefit the wild orangutans in the Sumatran rainforest. Prepare for something very different than the Brazil, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my uh, specialty coffee taste buds are not quite used to this. um, It's more dusty. Yeah. And I can um, see you have written pepper and walnuts on the on the, and I can see the pepper. I can I can kind of follow you in that one. Yeah, 
that, that I think that kind of sets the expectation because you can't dusty and uh, old <laughs> woody old bags you can't there's so many things you can't write so i think that's well uh, well put to call it you call it pepper walnuts and bittersweet chocolate try to make it sound positive i, I would say that before we also talked about writing something like tobacco on it but nowadays that's probably not that's the right negative. way to to say it so And now it will be really tough for my taste buds because we are getting a dusty coffee in a dark roast. Yeah. So. <laughs> Whoa. Bitter. Chocolatey. Ah, <laughs> you're clever here. You wrote um, whiskey-like and whiskey got smoke. Yeah. So that was a very positive way of uh, writing tobacco and smoke. And a way to to get people uh, interested in it. Uh, yeah. Because I, I think the people that, that will buy this coffee would go for, yeah, of course, the darker one, but it's also another audience that they wouldn't yeah. buy the Kenyan. That's wrong. Yeah. Uh, wrong coffee for them. And and before we had other notes on the back, and it was we actually had wood on the on the backs, and it wasn't just people like I don't it didn't want tempt people. <laughs> no, uh, so whiskey like, and we I still have the walnuts. Because a, a smoky whiskey, I I can totally follow that. Yeah, that's very um, yeah cool. And still also the woodiness, because when you when you drink a, a good whiskey, you can taste the barrel as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I never seen that on a on a, a coffee coffee label before. No. So, but this is this is a dark espresso. But we we have coffees that are way darker than this. But okay. this is the spectra, like in the in the shop where we have okay. the, the micronuts and. And so the way darker roast because well, has this one hit second crack? That one mm, uh, Indonesian espresso. Just, it just kissed the second crack. I think when I took the beans out here, it was the one that had just a slight oil. Yeah. Not really clearly, but you slightly wet. Yeah. So it was just on the on the edge of second crack. Yeah. But actually, I find the the darker roast more interesting. Yeah. Because that one was just dusty to me. The the darker roast of this Indonesian bean had more character and kind of. Uh, and you have the body. In, you you have the body in this one, uh, compared to the other one that just had the dust. Yeah. And. And so, so this was one of them that I I just recently adjusted, uh-huh. and I really like the the way it's come out compared to the. Yeah, man, it's difficult because. And did you then after the adjustment get more body in that one? Yeah, I think uh, I that did. you missed yeah. in the because that that suits that type of coffee. Yeah, uh, and actually I, I roasted it lighter than it was before, so it was a, it was a mix of um, giving it a longer drying time Mm -hmm. but also just taking down the temperature a little bit so i think we have a roast here around 12 minutes and it works as an espresso it works out very good because you still have actually some of the sweetness when you brew it as an espresso Mm. so talking about what to do with the roast profile let's move on to the roastery here at contra the roastery is quite noisy Recently, they shifted from an old 30-kilo probat to a brand-new 70-kilo loring. A loring is noisier because the heat is transferred by fast air circulation. Uh, now we are at the roastery uh, with the 70-kilo loring. Oh, to hear me, you have to take off the, yeah, the, the ear protection. 
because it has a lot of noise, you have to wear ear protection in this uh, in this roastery. Yeah. Um, and can you tell me what is right at the moment? Your assistant roaster is sometimes here, but not right now. Can you tell what is going on on the roaster? There's a little beans in the cooling tray, and then I can see some green beans in the in the window in yeah. the, inside the roaster. This is like four four and a half minutes in in the in the roast that is that is going on right now. Um, it's it's right in the drying process right now, and uh, we're trying to. We, we after we got this 70 kilo lowering, what we want to do is to optimize our time in here. So we try to keep a flow, constant flow, so the roaster is always running. So what Louis is doing right now is that he's filling up the tank with new green beans that are ready to be roasted afterwards. So up there ah. in the in the top of the roaster, we have the next batch already yeah. packed and ready to be uh, roasted. Yeah. And he's out preparing the next one, so yeah, we're trying to keep a, a flow like that. And was this the automatic uh, roast thing that you told me that it can you can do it manually, control everything, and then you can also make it automatic roast, so you don't have to, uh, to be there yeah. on, on time. Yeah, this is uh, we have this is the the organic espresso that we have uh, always on the shelves here at Contra. Yeah, um, it's. Uh, i know that Louis and Reza are about to, to make uh, a whole pallet, I think actually a little bit more of this one. So it will mean that it's five batches of the same roast. Ah. And in that way, it's way much easier to keep the profile that's already on the machine that we have created, uh, both just roasting manually, but also using Loring's uh, program on the computer called Roast Architect. Roast Architect? Yeah, it's... Uh, i don't know if it's a new program. We always had it with this machine, but it okay. was also just installed here in May. So I'm not ah. sure if it's new or, or. But but we can we can make a make a roast over here, and we can uh, prepare it the way that we want it. If we have some adjustments, then we can transfer the roast to the computer, and then we can change some parameters over there, ah. so we can see the whole roast curve from from beginning to the end. Yeah, and if we want it to be a little bit lower in the end in the temperatures or in rate the rate of rise, rise or yeah then we can change it back and then. this specific coffee can you tell how it's roasted um, how long development time approximately yeah this is like it's almost a 30 minute roast uh 30 it's minute roast 30 yeah oh wow. no not 30 13 sorry 13 yeah okay yeah so it's 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 a long roast in that way. Um, it's it's a dark espresso. It's just before second crack we uh, we drop ah, the coffee. Yeah. Um, it's pretty uh, a mainstream coffee that, that that goes to many customers. So it's yeah. it's a not crowd, a crowd pleaser. It is a crowd pleaser. Yeah. yeah. And it's a mix of a, a Mexican coffee, 70 yeah. percent and 30 percent of the Guatemalan coffee. What we do here is we blend the coffee before taking it in, and if you think theoretically and if you talk to other roasters, they probably say, "What? <laughs> Why do you do that?" But yeah, I think many roasters do that. But it also um, yeah, it's just in a in a production roast and a roast. It's just the easiest way to exactly. do it, and yeah. 
And while we have been standing here, the beans have gone from green and now they've started browning. And yeah. in, in between was the yellowing point. Is it any, uh, do you uh, record that when you otherwise roast? Do you use the yellowing point for anything? And Sometimes we do it, but um, it's pretty much the same at this point. I just actually, three weeks ago, I adjusted all the roasts on the, on the roaster. Yeah. Um, yeah, mainly because of the, the change of the beans, but also... I had some adjustments that I wanted to do, so yeah. so therefore they have all been. And every time you plan and you decide and you profile, then you use the yellowing point as well. Not always. Okay. Uh, it's this machine is still pretty new to me. Yeah. So so at the moment, what I use a lot is the the the, the start temperature, um, the first crack, which is kind of difficult to find. Yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> that's very difficult to hear on that one. Yeah. And, and how do you do it? Because in last episode, uh, we tried to take the try out and beans were falling out. And, and I couldn't see them moving. No, but I, I, can, I can show you. But I, I've, I've managed to, to control the... The trier. The trier to... Uh, is it close? Because now the bean temperature is at 201. Isn't it then close to... Or when, at, what, at what temperature does first crack come on this? Uh, it's actually, uh, I would say, in, in a couple of degrees. Now we stepped out of the roastery because it's so noisy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but we were just talking about the, uh, when how to catch the first crack and to taking a tryout because in the last episode I was at a 15 kilo roaster lowering also uh, and I was trying to look in the try and all that. How how have you found to uh, to catch the first crack on this uh, very noisy lowering? Well, as you say, it's is almost impossible to hear it. So so I also look at the beans, um, try to see if I can see them move in the dryer. And but also I, I use the glass in front of the roaster where I can see... The window. Yeah, mm -hmm. so where I can see the beans moving. And uh, it's sometimes it's easier in there because you get an, a, an overall impression of, of how far is the, the, the crack. Because when... The time that I have to try up, a lot of things are happening inside of the roaster. So yeah. I need to be aware. And how can you see in the window? Because the beans are moving all the time. So how can you see? Are you looking at the crack in the middle? Or? I'm looking at, at, at the the structure of the bean, actually, mm -hmm. because when it's when it's not cracked, it's very hard and, and, and compact and yeah, closed. And and when it when it uh, when the first crack hits pops open and it expands you can see that the the outer sh shell is a little bit more i don't know smooth smooth <laughs> ah so the surface of the bean also changes yeah. mm -hmm. so that's how you see the first crack and then of course it's difficult when we do the the, the blend before we roast because then we have different kinds of yeah first cracks and and sometimes the crack spreads out way way more than than what would, would it would be if if you only had one bean inside of the roaster but yeah and the thing we always do in this podcast is talk about how to decide when to dump the roast yeah uh, and on the old roaster the probat you said it was 65 years old yeah yeah then i remember you were always looking at the color taking the try out at the end of the roast um were you using anything else than the color to decide when to stop the roast I um I 
Yeah, yeah, I did. But I uh, I did a lot of things actually because it was both be, uh, seeing the time versus the temperature of the the rose, and actually the temperature was also a very important parameter for me back then. Um, and if I had the right time and the right temperature, and the bean looked the way it should do, then I knew that it wasn't too far off. Uh, so it it was a another process and it was way more unstable back Uh, then but could you have relied on the bean temperature alone because that is the easiest thing when the coffee hits 210 degrees something don't take it out that's the easiest thing yeah but that but but that wasn't enough it um it was sometimes if if the weather stayed the same way (laughs) and uh, (laughs) if uh if 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 other parameters uh, didn't affect the rose but we are very close to the water out here where we roast and where our roastery is located and if we had a, a wind coming in the humidity in the air would just change totally and that affected the roast and and sometimes you needed to adjust like one or two degrees from the point where you normally had the the, the end. so the bean color was more reliable than the bean temperature actually a mix yeah yeah but uh, so you were kind of looking at both uh, yeah and did you Uh, look for other things on the on the look of the beans than the color. I uh, I found out when I when I first started roasting and and uh, when I tried to make my own style of the coffee that uh, after the first crack there was a point where the the beans got a little bit more sugarish they had a little bit of. Um, what's it called? Glinsing. Uh, I think Morton in episode two called it reflections. That, yeah, uh, that's shiny on yeah. the surface. Yeah, not like 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 oily, but but yeah, a little bit uh, reflections. Yeah. The light is reflecting. Um, yeah. And how did you use this point? Do you dump it then when it gets this uh, reflections on the surface? In the beginning, I I tried to, but then I <laughs> I figured out that it wasn't. That um, wasn't the right way to do it, okay. but but uh, I used it as a parameter to see. Okay, so the first crack there, sugar uh, reflection there, and um, and then I want to dump it there uh, some time after that. So yeah. it's a reassuring thing. Now we pass that the stage. Right. Yeah. So to uh, yeah, what can you say? A, me- a measuring point. Yeah. Yeah. So that was how you um, decided when to stop the roast on the old probat and then may uh, last year like uh, seven eight months ago then you got uh, a new roaster and then it's a totally different machine on the lowering did you get surprised in the beginning did you waste some batches uh, how much could you use from the old roaster to um, to navigate the roast on the new one on the lowering yeah, I I've been told before I started roasting on the lowering that the 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 color of the beans are totally different than, than the old one. So that's a parameter that I couldn't rely on anymore, which was kind of yeah challenging. But uh, I really used the first crack as a parameter, and then I knew okay, so we have first crack around there because I couldn't hear it, but. Uh, and then I want a development time and I want a, a, a bean looking like this in the structure. Um, the structure part was not so reliable uh, as I thought it would be. So actually the temperature became a very important parameter in, in that transaction. And is it both time and temperature rise from first crack that you look at or do you lean to one of them more than the other? 
On on the lowering in the beginning and and still now I'm looking at the temperature more than the time because it's uh, it's happening all so fast in the end there. Um, I also look at the beans because it's it's still a very very important parameter for me. I I want all the beans to be um, yeah looking the way that they did last time I did the roast and. Uh, I know that it's um it's not very reliable as as my eyes and ears are all, always changing as well but um, yeah and how what about the sugar reflections do you get them and the lowering I get them but I don't use them that much because it's 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 happening so fast and I'm not sure if it's if it's the size of the the roaster that 50 or 70 kilo is just too much that it's uh, it's not even all the way through the roaster so but it, it doesn't work to to look for it in the loring so you can't for, use that one there yeah but no no I can't but I'm not sure if it's the size of the roaster or yeah what what exactly makes the difference no. <laughs> it's so complex <laughs> yeah it is um and what about what things were especially tasting changing in the taste from the pro back to the loring how uh, how comparable was the taste um? first of all i thought that the the clean cup of the coffee was uh, beyond my imagination of of where we could go uh, so we had way better coffees on the shelf than before we didn't have the roastiness and the the smokiness that that we we had especially from some of our very dark uh, espresso blends Very interesting to hear how the taste changed by changing roasting machine. This matches my impressions of the coffees from Contra earlier on. Back then, I just thought of it as a darker roast degree than my preference. But here, Ida also describes the taste from the 30 kilo old probat as more roasty and smoky. Uh, so we had way better coffees on the shelf than before. We didn't have the roastiness and the the smokiness that that we we had. Now I'm thinking it's not just the roast degree, but I realize that it's as much connected to the type of roaster and the batch size. When I roast 200 grams in a small coffee roaster, two things are different from the situation earlier on at Contra. In a small coffee roaster, the beans are not long time on the hot drum before they are thrown in the air again. In a big roaster with 30 kilos, the beans directly touching the drum are pressed down by a lot of beans above and lies there a bit longer before thrown into the air again. This gives more contact heat, like the burnt crust on a steak in a frying pan. Even though the beans earlier from Contra didn't have visual burnt spots, this might have given the roasty taste anyway. The second difference is all the smoke evolved during the roasting process. The more beans, the more smoke. The old probat probably couldn't remove all this smoke. This gave the smoky taste. These problems would most likely have been smaller by roasting smaller batches. But Contra needed to produce much coffee, so this wasn't an option. 
And remember, not everybody have a problem with smoky and roasty. Some like it. The modern Loring roaster is using a lot of air. That is why it's so noisy. Using air to heat the beans is called convection. The air is recirculated and cleaned in between, so it will remove smoke without losing heat. And that results in a cleaner taste that Ida also talked about. And that is why I certainly like the coffees from Contra better. But after Ida had been thrilled with this improvement with the new roaster, some fine-tuning was needed. Uh, yeah, in the beginning it was pretty easy to, to hit the right flavors, but after a while, and actually just recently, we, we, just, we discussed the, the body of the coffee and the fact that it's actually not there as much as it was before with the old pro bed. Kind of too clean or too light? Or? Yeah, and too... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just had that, that full body the heaviness, uh, heaviness. The heavy notes, yeah. uh, like more the chocolatey side. And exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's a parameter that I've tried to to read about and and tried to just explore. I'm not sure why I came up with the idea, but uh, it's probably not the first time people have done it. But I tried to to make the the drying phase longer to get a little bit bit more body right uh, down there and um, and actually just that from taking from uh, four minutes to six minutes changed very much Up until the, the yellow point yeah mm-hmm. changed a lot and uh, and then trying to to make the roast uh, in, in in overall just make it a little bit longer as well and I think it worked out very well and what was your um, in the beginning with the lowering watch what's your time to first crack start we How had time was it Actually, with a with a seventy kilo, we could go all the way down to eight eight and a half minute. Wow! Yeah, that's, that's a very lot fast. of powerful. <laughs> and now you adjusted it. So where do you want first crack now? Now we are around ten minutes, and uh, yeah, sometimes it's a little bit less. Sometimes it's a little bit more. It depends on if it's a filter coffee or an espresso we are working with. But and which one do you prefer the longest roast for espresso or filter coffee? Mm, it depends on on which uh, on bean. which bean it is, yeah. And if 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 it's a a coffee with Africans in it, I like it a little bit shorter to keep some of the acidity and and we have some, yeah, South American or uh, yeah, then we can take it further. Yeah. And what is the the shortest roast you make? What is the development time there? Are you on one minute from first crack start that is a short uh, roast? We have some actually that we take out just in the end of first crack. So it's still cracking while it's coming out. And I'm not sure that we will we'll keep doing that because, yeah, I don't know. I can see on the on the sale in the shop that it's not... It's not there. <laughs> no, it's not too popular. So, yeah. so we'll we'll move a little bit we further. We talked about it's um, it's more difficult to brew the lighter roast. It so is so it easier gets bad tasting. Um, so so you have to have an audience who will work hard to brew it. Uh, exactly, and we have not for these coffee that are so light, but but at our. Um, 
B2B side, it's, uh, it needs to be a stable coffee and we need to be able to deliver. That's typical for cafes who are using... Um, also just uh, big uh, companies that have it as uh, a as a company coffee. coffee. Yeah. Mm. And they need to have a good coffee every time they yeah. brew it, not just, oh, lucky one. <laughs> <laughs> This time it turned out. <laughs> who made the coffee now? <laughs> And what are your darkest roast? You ra- you have some coffees in second crack, even yeah. though most of them are before second crack. Yeah. And what is your darkest? Is it several minutes into second crack, or how <laughs> dark do you go? Do you see oils already in the roasting? Or? No, it's 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 before oil. Okay. Uh, so, but we have oils where, come afterwards when they lay, and then there comes a little oil out yeah, during also, a week or something. And also, if you if you do it too hard, if you if you ah. do it too short, then you you press the bean too much and develop develop a, a pressure inside of the bean that is just too hard for it. So there you will you'll ruin all of the. Then you get more oils out quicker. That's my what Idea. I've experienced, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we tried to to make these roasts a little bit longer, like thirteen or fourteen minutes, um, and that's around. And on the Loring, I think the darkest we've gone is like two hundred and twenty-eight degrees, mm-hmm. which is pretty dark. And at what temperature does second crack come? Two hundred and twenty-one. Okay, so seven degrees into second crack. Yeah, and is that like a minute or? It depends on on how you you uh, build up the the crack. Of course, yeah, cool. And those coffees, uh, do you like them? Can you find them interesting, or what is your preferences? I can. Um, it's not the first one that I uh, that I go for, <laughs> <laughs> but I I can see why people uh, like it because uh, if they had their first experience in Italy. And they they want to 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 have that again, then that's the right way to go. And 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 actually, it's when we're working with the, the, some of the big customers that we have that have fully automatic machines, then a darker roasted coffee works out very very well on on It the machine. It gives them much more stable uh, output. Uh, yeah, and the, and 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 the the. I don't know what's I, I'm not a machine technic technician but but it just it tastes better when it's darker because you can easily have this um, metallic flavor when it's brewed on a on a light roast uh, on on those uh, fully automatic machines. Mm. So it works out very well uh, in that way. Super. Yeah. Thank you very much. No problem. <laughs> That's it for now. You can find photos of Ida and the Contra Roastery at my website, coffeenavigated.net. Here you can also hear all the previous episodes in this podcast. Or you can listen in your podcast app on your smartphone. This year I also hooked it up on Spotify. Just search for Coffee Roasting Navigated. My name is Therese Brunstedt. Some people drink coffee to get through the day. Others get through the day to drink good coffee.